well. They've got some great players. Um, start to think of like people like Julian Savia um, from the outset, TJ Perinari, like, well, Adi Savia, who I think everyone on a deeper level had a, a real sense of purpose. Um, whether that came again from from attaining that in, the, in their sort of self motivated ways, or or whether providing for their families, it's funny. And in, in high performance, I think everyone's skillful, everyone's got the technical aptitude, but um, that confidence to do it over and over again um, that, that's that's the difference. But you'll put in scenarios into times where you can express these new skills you want to learn. So if there's an opportunity for an offload, go and do it. If there's an opportunity for you to run a better line or something there, you'll definitely put in scenarios during the week that then you can replicate that and build it and start to build that repertoire of skills and knowing that you're actually doing a, a good job and you're adding value to somewhere is probably um, one of the greatest feelings I've had in rugby and probably life too. Um, knowing you've made an impact on someone and in somewhere, uh, it's a really, really special and um, yeah, re- rewarding um, feeling to have. Hey, I hope you're keeping well. I'm Brian Moylet, former rugby player, now mindset and performance coach, and welcome to the pod. This podcast is about well-being and high performance. And in it, you will learn how you can be happier, more fulfilled and more successful. I recently wrote the book on how to become a pro rugby player, Forward by Robbie Henshaw, which went to number one in the charts. And you can get this now on Amazon and Audible with the links in the show notes. Please connect me now over on social media at Brian Moylet and at Offfield Rugby. If you enjoyed the pod, please subscribe to it, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening now. And also, you can send it on to some friends. Would really appreciate that. All right, we'll get into today's episode. Cheers. Hey, all keeping well. Today, I'm chatting with rugby player Cameron Orr, who has played with Gloucester, Western Force, Melbourne Rebels, and most recently with Wellington in the NBC. Cheers for jumping on. No stress. Thank you for having me. Uh, can't wait to have a little bit of a chat. Yeah, so I suppose to start off how we kind of connected i saw your post on linkedin which i thought was class around your season kind of just recapping your season with wellington in the mpc so i suppose chat to me about yeah that experience that just gone by oh it was awesome um look i'm probably i guess from the start i'm a little bit um probably towards the other other half of my career um getting a little bit older now so you know sort of taking up a new opportunity going overseas it's uh yeah, a bit, a bit of a big decision to make. Um, but yeah, I was, I was sort of at the end of, um, you know, my time with Melbourne Rebels, which, you know, was, was really, really rewarding and, you know, great to be in that sort of first class setup and, and a part of that. And then sort of trying to make decisions what to do next. And, you know, we knew about the MPC and, and we'd seen sort of the quality of players that come out of it. And, I guess, you know, in world rugby at the moment, the way we look at it, we sort of look at the pathways that Ireland have and New Zealand have and sort of how those players progress and trying to get myself into the setup over there um, where I could be a part of that. Um, that was that was a real key focus. Um, and at, at the beginning, it was just like, well, we just need to get over there. We'll figure it out when we're there. We're not overly familiar with the teams, but um, as we started to progress through some negotiations and talk, Wellington um, popped up and I went, oh, didn't they win the whole thing last year? Like they're going pretty well. They've got some great players, um, 
start to think of like people like Julian Savia um, from the outset, TJ Perinari, like well, Adi Savia, who obviously wasn't there at the time. Um, but those guys who'd gone through the club, uh, it was like, well, like, and they, they're interested in me, which was, you know, a massive confidence boost, um, especially probably after, you know, moving on from the Rebels, you, you do get a bit of a, a hit to your confidence and, and things like that. Um, have that there where there's, you know, there's people there who sort of back you. And then look, luckily enough through um, Tamani Ellison and, and a few of the other coaches, we, we signed on and then look, there it was, it was almost a bit of a sprint. Um, and, and that was sort of day one there. They, they said this competition, it's just going to, it's going to go so quick. Um, you know, and looking back now after the three, three and a half months I was there, it's probably been my most enjoyable time um, playing rugby. Um, for, for the most basic nature of just being around good friends and uh, and expressing yourself in, uh, in, in the form of, you know, working hard and, and playing on the field, but just really feeling um, empowered and and you, that you belonged and, and you're a part of that team. It's, um, yeah, really, really special um, feeling. And I felt sort of captivated to make sure I performed and, and supported them. And I probably, towards the end, you... you I'm probably my own, you know, harshest critic. Um, but by the end, I thought I'd actually played you know, some of the best best professional rugby I'd played in my whole life. So, um, you know, it was really such a great experience. Um, I guess there's so much to unpack about it. But from the start, yeah, look, just look back with such really fond memories about it. Class, that's cool to hear. And what was it, do you think, that allowed you to to do that like you you said play some of your best rugby enjoyed so much you felt empowered and some other things you just mentioned there what, what was it yeah i mean there's definitely a few aspects of it um and i guess right from the start when i sort of moved over i know sort of and this is for quite young guys maybe moving into their first professional team it's quite a daunting experience joining a, a new club it's like you do a new job you do anything you move to even when you're young you might move to a new school um quite a daunting experience having to meet new people and um, sort of express yourself. You want to make sure you start off on the right foot, all those things. Um, and, and as soon as I got there, they were so uh, welcoming and supporting. I remember um, the um, sort of scrum coach, one of the sort of legends of the club, a guy named Greg Holford, um, he organised me to stay in his pub, which I almost thought that was a bit dangerous, you know, making me stay in a pub first week there. Um, but no, they looked after me, made sure, you know, sorted me out. They got me a room, made sure, you know, I was sort of comfortable until we could, you know, find some accommodation. It was all sort of a little bit, you know, uh, as I said, a bit of a sprint, a whirlwind um, as we went into it. And they made sure I was looked after, uh, making sure, you know, get to training, show me around, give me a bit of a background took me for a coffee, sort of explained things. Um, and even the CEO came and, you know, had a coffee and, and just had a chat about what the club's about. And that's that to me says that everyone's on board within the club. And that's from day dot that I know, you know, they're invested in me. Um, they're confident in what I can bring to the team. Um, and it just starts off on such a good note. Um, and then was as the sort of timeline um, progressed and started to get around the team and, just the environment that was created um, and the cultural sort of um, the culture of performance, which which the coaches, you know, as much as they they drove to, it was much so the players that actually drove it. Um, the standards, the guy, like expectations of turning up on time. Um, there's always little things in, in rugby teams we've had a, like where you have your little fine system, you have things like that. It's not really 
you know, that's just one aspect of it, but it's more of a responsibility to turn up and support the people around you. Um, and I found, you know, from the probably 40 guys that rolled in and around that team, every one of them was aspirational, whether it be, you know, all blacks or whether it, they might have played it before. And there was a couple of guys who ended up probably playing their last professional games throughout the year, but they were all still trying to get the best out of themselves. Um, and being around that is, you know, there's no words for it. It just, you know, that's the environment you need to be a part of. And I've probably been in environments before where, you've got a mix of guys who are really keen on doing that um, and really keen on whether it being, you know, trying to vie for that international jersey or some guys there fighting for their next, you know, for their next MPC contract, some guys going for a super rugby contract. Um, there was always people, you know, motivated by, you know, getting the best out of themselves. And uh, I think everyone on a deeper level had a, a real sense of purpose, um, whether that came again from, from attaining that in, the, in their sort of self-motivated ways or, or whether providing for their families. Um, there's plenty of guys there who are super proud of, of what they had and, and what they wanted to do. And um, the honesty and sort of um, humility people had around that was was awesome. Um, and there's some really, really special people um, in the team that probably built on that culture. Um, I guess progressing on that, the, the leadership um, throughout the group was awesome. Um, there's guys like Brad Shields who, you know, brought me in as well. I know I'm a, a little bit older, but also sort of made me feel like he was looking after me, had my back, um, you know, brought me around for dinners, little things like that, coffees, everything. Um, and, and that's the sign of a, you know, a leader who really cares. And it's funny, like we went away on a, a few, so we had a trial game before we started the season and the, the people who are in the kitchen cleaning up after were all the most senior players, international. So you had your Brad Shields, your Duplessis Karifi, you had all these guys, um, Billy Proctor, some of the, like Ruben Love, all these guys were all jumping in there, cleaning up. And it was normally like, I've, I've grown up in systems where you sort of earn the respect where the young guys do that. And then the older guys, they, they don't need to do it. Whereas you're seeing these you know, internationals, which everyone has the utmost respect for, doing the most sort of basic things to adding their weight to the team. And they weren't looking for anyone to sort of come over and watch them do it or, or get any sort of kickbacks from it. It was just because they wanted to make sure that the team was looked after. Um, and, and those sort of leaders then transferred into the, onto the field and in the performance setting where um, on the field we had really, really good um, communication. Everyone was really clear on their roles um, and I have to say, again, I'll, I'll probably note Duplessis Karifi is probably one of the um, best leaders I've ever played under uh, and with. Um, the way it sort of uh, interchanges between, you know, the way someone plays on the field and wears their heart on their sleeve, but then also is able to give really, really good strategic communication um, when there's time for it uh, and able to connect with so many people in the group. Uh, that definitely makes a huge difference in and, and having that, I know, you know, I have aspirations as a, as a leader within, within a group. And I, I, you know, I get a real sense of joy out of making sure I help people. So learning from someone like that and having that, um, I guess, um, you know, insight, it's, yeah, really, really rewarding for me. So it's great, great to have guys like that. And then um, also having, you know, the guys with experience of all blacks and, um, you know, someone like TJ Perinar who went through the season, didn't play, but still was able to give advice to some of the young nines and, 
and be around the squad and add a lot of energy, even in a capacity where he can't play. Uh, that probably just showed the value and, and, the, and the commitment people had to the team. Um, so I guess, yeah, probably there's a lot there about why I enjoyed it. Um, and the most basic thing, like I, I felt like I was getting better. Um, I felt like every every time I was turning up to training, and I know I've, I've probably got a little bit of a background in like sort of goal setting and things like that, but I felt like there was always a purpose to every session, um, whether it be just a little conversation with someone or a little team meeting. Um, there was always a little bit of an area of growth, um, whether it be in the gym and as we'd go out on the field, you know, I'd, I'd have to be really clear on what I wanted to work on. You know, as, as much as a, I wanted to do my role for the team, I know I could, you know, I could grow as a player and individually and, and get the best out of myself. And, and there's countless examples where I'd be working on something really simple, um, you know, just maybe like a hook pass sort of thing and left and right side. And um, Tommy Ellison would come over for about 35, 40 minutes and, and run me through exactly how to work it and really, really intricate details around it. Um, and just that investment from someone to sort of, um, you know, in, in the most basic skills, but just really wanted me to get it well. Um, and it wasn't just, there was everyone in the squad, regardless of some guys who maybe came in and trained only for the day or guys who, you know, been there for 10 seasons. There was that commitment and investment that he was going to get the best out of you. Um, and that came from all the coaches too. So having that, um, just the, the growth and probably the confidence in my own ability then started to come back through. It's it's funny and in high performance, I think everyone's skillful. Everyone's got the technical aptitude, but um, that confidence to do it over and over again, um, that's, that's the difference between, you know, I think your, your top tier players and you guys who will just sort of sit there and, you know, play some good games, some okay games and just sort of get through. Um, whereas now I sort of, yeah, that it just gives you that extra little bit of motivation. So nah, just, yeah, I, I think that investment from guys and, coaches and support that was definitely another aspect which which helped with the performance side of things yeah so you 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 feel that the coach's investment in you as a an individual to help you become better was a big part of giving you that confidence or building back that confidence massively um and i guess it probably comes back to a little bit how the coaches approach sort of feedback and communication channels with the players. And I, I totally understand that there's probably, you know, with varying le levels of experience, there's probably, you know, levels of understanding that are different too. Um, and, and the way sort of I had conversations and feedback and, and reviews with coaches, it was very much so, you know, we believe you've got all these sort of uh, levels ticked off and, and you've got this um, definite level of, aptitude now how do we get the best out of here how do we how do we grow this aspect and everything is so forward-minded and growth and, and alongside a growth mindset um and it's you know it's one thing everyone sort of knows about it and says oh we want to do this but living it out and actually showing it and, and uh living by those values is is a whole different thing so when i was able to sort of communicate and especially like with the forwards coach he would you know go into real technical detail but it was a constructive sort of collaboration. Uh, it definitely wasn't him telling me what to do. It was us working out the plan of what's best to do. Um, and that comes down to little things, say, you know, mall defense, you know, which we prided ourselves on pretty heavily. And it was how I can bring my best um, to, to the squad. And each individual, as much as we had, you know, a system, 
needed to bring their own their own sort of uh, dimension of it. So whereas I'm I like in, in that area, I love the contact area, use that to my advantage where other guys just need to get themselves in a good position and, and, and do their role. Whereas I was, okay, get in there, do that part of it, um, hit it with aggression, but make sure you do it within these boundaries so you can help your team out and you don't put any pressure on them. So that collaboration and that support um, then leads to that empowerment um, where I feel I have the ability and the skill set to make those decisions. Um, and, and then I, I contrast that back to, sorry, previously, and it's you know, no fault but my own, is putting myself into a box of being a little bit robotic. So being told a you know, set of skills or standards that we need to stand by and just going within that. Uh, and, and I feel, you know, looking at sort of the, that system within Wellington, it was there was the freedom to have those decisions and bring X Factor if it's needed. Um, and it's almost as if the system is supporting that. Um, to make those decisions like I mean I wasn't going out there to, to go for 50 22s and, and things like that but there was the freedom to make decisions and have the skill set to do that and the backing of the coaches to to do it and there was always going to be mistakes there's always going to be errors and 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 they'll be the first to sort of come and, and build a solution to fixing those up or minimizing that um, but the way again sort of that's approached um, is, is so different to sort of how I've been brought up in a professional system where um, you might know from you know, back in Connacht and things like that, you know, it can be quite tough and criti- critical in, in review where you're sort of chastised a little bit for mistakes and you, you know the intents, right? You know you're, you're only trying to do the right thing and things haven't panned out and you're almost like scapegoated for, for doing all the, the, these problems and errors when it's more, okay, well, you know, that didn't work out. How can we make it a little bit better? What can we work on to for the next time this scenario comes up, we are successful in this moment. And it's definitely a, a much better way of seeing the problem, um, not as a, you know, you've caused all this this issue or this this problem on the field, you um, can be better in this a scenario. And it's, it's a very, again, a very, very simple thing, uh, but it definitely changes the mindset and, and boosts that sort of confidence. It's not a really a speed bump. It's, uh, it's more of a curve in the road. Um, and, and you've just got to make a different path. So, no, that's definitely the aspects of, of the coaching side of it, which helped. Yeah, 100%. And so, like, what I'm hearing is that you have a, an overarching game plan, strategy, way that we all understand how we want to go about it. But then within that, there's one-on-one conversations as to what your superpower will say is or what you're good at as, you know, you yourself because we're not all the same like if we're all different props of different skills different back rows of different skills and that's something that I find or found yeah was definitely a lot of environments I was in was like you're playing this position this is what you do yeah and you do that and nothing else and and you're up you're then very much afraid to do anything else because if you make a mistake doing something else you are going to be dropped you're going to be you know, lambasted and your skill set might be outside of the parameter of what they see as, as a, a number eight, second row, whatever. So mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah. when you do that, when you have, when you understand the players and when you have those conversations, then the player can express themselves themselves fully while also being within the system and within the role. And like you say, it's 
you're not going for 50-22s unless you are an absolute gun like John Eels back in the day, a kicker who's a second mm. row. You know, like you see the odd, yeah. you see the odd back rower now who'll put a grubber in. Like, and that's there's not there that's their skill set. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're not doing something that you're not good at. You're just doing things that you are good at. Hey, Brian here. I work one on one with rugby players, helping them perform better on the field enjoy it more and maximize their careers. If you feel like there's more in you and don't have regrets down the line, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book a free 30-minute Zoom consultation. And the link is in the show notes. On the call, you talk to me about where you're at now, what you would like to achieve, and I'll show you how I can help you get there. You then go off and decide if you want to invest in yourself and move forward with the one-on-one coaching. For teams, I do mental skills sessions over Zoom. Players will have mindset shifts on the call, but also they'll get exercises to practice going forward. So it's like an S&C program, but for your mental strength. If you're a coach or manager of a team, you can book a free 30-minute Zoom consultation now as well on offfieldrugby.com. If you have any other questions, you can get in touch with me through my social media, at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby, or the website, offfieldrugby.com. All right, cheers. We'll get back into today's episode. Yeah, and they sort of, and, and growing on that, they the, the sessions and the way training is designed is you've got the freedom to make those decisions. Of course, there's going to be mistakes, and there's times where you make the wrong decision and you'll get brought up on it. That's fine. But you'll put in scenarios into times where you can express these new skills you want to learn. So if there's an opportunity for an offload, go and do it. If there's an opportunity for you to run a better line or something there, you'll definitely put in scenarios during the week that then you can replicate that and build it and start to build that repertoire of skills. And, you know, you're watching and it's funny now, like in sort of you know, you go we put a coach's hat on, you look at a prop and you think, okay, well, yeah, they need to scrum, they need to line out, they need to be able to do this. And, you know, they're going to be quite, quite um, strong around the contact area. Whereas now the point of difference we look for in sort of players like that is, oh, can they run the ball really well? Can they, you know, do all these big tackles? Can they do these double efforts? So the standards are getting higher across the board of what you can sort of judge a player on, but you need to have the basics down pat. Um, and, and once that's there, you know, every, everything else flows off it. And I think that's a, that's something that the coaches probably find when they build their team. And especially with Wellington, I know that they, you know, they had the players who brought different uh, levels of X factor and a point of difference, which is, is, which is important. And that sort of was their puzzle to put together and what worked best. Um, so, but what was, was great on top of that is you've then got guys who are coming in know the standard because you have such a high level of sort of skill level throughout the squad. The guys that come in know they've got to get up to that too. So the intent then is on them to jump into that position and there's no sort of jump in quality of, of the team or, or skill level, um, which is, you know, an, an exciting prospect to have when you've got young guys then jumping in and there's no real change in the, um, in, in the quality of play. Mm. And when you mentioned trainings structured to allow that, what were trainings like or what was that structure? Yeah, really interesting um, sort of the approach to um, the whole week. Um, everything is centered around the game. So when we look at it, 
um, we go from, say, a game is on a Saturday, well, our Monday session, we're a game day minus five. Um, so then we look at that, okay, well, we've got five games, five days to the game and everything is structured around how we get to that game and how do we fire when it comes to whatever time we kick off. Um, and, and so during the week, it's very much focused and the big difference between sort of my, you know, setup in Australian rugby and even when I was playing over in Gloucester, um, it was definitely centered around, you know, you have a big start to the week, you sort of front load the week with sort of all your capacity, um, training, um, all the fatigue elements, skill under fatigue, things like that. A lot of the contacts you'd start at the start of the week and then taper down. So when you get to the game, you're very fresh and what was different in uh, sort of the Wellington setup was you would do a very, very light Monday where you'd just be a lot about learning. You'd get a key lift in the gym, a lot about um, having your review already done before you come in. Um, and then you'd get all your preview stuff done right away. Um, and then by Tuesday, you're nailing all your roles um, within training. And that's more related to the set piece um, areas. Um, and going into that's awesome. Like having the ability to lock in all your knowledge and your skill stuff at the start of the week, what sort of skills are required more so, um, and being able to just focus towards the end of the week on on your performance side of things and, and leading up. Um, that's, you know, I, I think something that worked really, really well. Um, I get, as you get closer to the end of the week, it's funny, the Thursday or the, or the game day minus two was actually your biggest day of the week. Um, so we'd have a, a double session plus a, plus a sorry a, a power up in the gym, um, and that would usually be like a contact sort of set piece session um, where you'd get through your scrums, get through your mauls, and that's normally quite um, energy sapping and and where you'd feel probably the most sore during a week because you're going game level intensity, you know, only short bouts, but you're still very much getting up to that you know intent area where you want to on the weekend, so quite full on towards the end of the week and then followed that with quite a high level session after with all the team, um, which is very much going through your set piece, but then high pace, um, definitely an, an increase in the contact level. Um, and you'd hope that that session almost replicates how you want to start on the weekend. Um, you want to make sure that all the sort of skill levels up there, everyone's across their um, ID of um, other sort of opportunities that we're looking for in the game. Um, looking at what other players might be doing. Um, and there was a big emphasis on the non-playing squad, which we called the Hyenas. Um, they were very much so uh, across all the opposition teams' um, tactics and plays. And it found that when the, you know, the Lions, our team, performed better, it was because the Hyenas performed really well on a Thursday uh, or that um, game day minus two. So having a, a real squad mentality where, you know, it's funny, like some of those, the intensity of some of those um, game day minus two sessions almost were, were more than some of the other games we played because you had these guys who were so intent on being a part of the squad and also wanting the team to do well that they were preparing them to the highest level. Um, and having a squad um, mentality like that was was pretty awesome. Um, and then sort of as we progress into the into the end of the week, you know, we'd go into a captain's run and it would just be all about high-level execution at low pace. Um, and, and that was fantastic, like seeing guys all across their roles, know, know their things, any last little sort of talk-throughs and, and things we need to get out, it's perfect. Um, and then as that game day minus one finish, we go into game day and it's um, something new. I'm not new, but I know a lot of teams do it in, in a primer 
but this primer that we did, I've never ever done a sprinting on game day, um, line outs, throwing and, you know, doing all these sort of hand-eye coordination skills. But um, what it actually did was it built up, you know, that sort of um, confidence in the morning. You were moving, you you were mobile. Uh, it got you sort of going before you even gone and um, get on the field. And then by the time you're there, you're so not overconfident, but you're, you know, you, you have that, um, yeah, I would say, sorry, quiet confidence in your, in, in the team, people around you, because everyone's now their roles, everyone's across their, um, what, what they, what they need to do on the field. And then it's just time to perform once you get out there, which is, you know, really, uh, what, what we all play for. We don't all do it to train. We want to be out there and, and enjoying it. And that's, that's what they created, which was really nice. Cool. Yeah, that um, idea of a primer is really good before games and massively. Yeah, I mean, I um, I've definitely done it before, but it's more so, you know, very low key. Just go out for a walk. More about connecting as a squad, um, and in in a way that you might you know walk through a move or two or, or a set piece. But you know, the structure of it was like we're walking out of there sweaty, blown like. Needed, yeah, I needed a little rest after sometimes, but it was, you know, the structure of it. And I found myself, you know, feeling mentally engaged um, a lot more when I get to the game. And it built up um, that sort of, oh, I just, I, it's such a hard word to describe, but I, it was just that inner confidence and energy that I was ready to, you know, perform. And, and I was really um, uh, mindful of, of that. And it was good. Um, I definitely felt in such a good headspace. And, confidence was up boosted like yeah really really good and i feel a lot of other boys had that too um which is when you know someone around you's ready for it you're definitely got to be up for it yeah i know exactly what you mean because sometimes when you start a warm-up and it can take you time to get going and then you're kind of in your head you're like geez am i at that pace yet and my my legs are feeling a bit heavy and then you can start thinking that way whereas yeah, it's interesting. You do that primer and you, you get to that level and then you're obviously kind of down regulating for a bit and then you go into your warm up as a it's kind of a top up then probably before the game. Yeah, definitely. No, it made a big difference. So something that I'll sort of regardless of, you know, moving and, and other other teams in the future or going back, that it's something that I'll take on as a you know, definitely gave me confidence and um and, and helped my, my game. Yeah. And so going back to the start then, when you moved over there, was it, you mentioned your confidence was a bit shot after the, was it the Rebels? And then, so the case, what, your just contract wasn't renewed and then you chat to your agent and it's like, all right, where, where to next? Yeah. Um, look, it got to a pretty, pretty tough spot. I mean, my sort of history at the Rebels, um, we, we took the opportunity there as just jumping in on a, on a wider squad contract. Um, and it was more so because there, there wasn't anything available um, full contract wise. And it was like, well, I don't really see it. I see it as an opportunity. Um, and I absolutely love my, my first couple of years there. It was probably one of the most enjoyable rugby experiences again, um, as I felt, you know, part of a really good squad where guys super aspirational. Um, I was, you know, definitely in a mindset that I had the ability to, to be a wallaby, um, to be a part of that. Um, it just took, you know, me to get back, me to get into Super Rugby and and showcase what I can do. Um, 
off the back of, you know, spending some time in England and then over in the force, I, I had that drive and that sort of, you know, confidence that I had the ability. It was just down to hard work and showcasing it. Um, so, yeah, getting to the Rebels was was awesome. Um, lining up and that was uh, under Dave Wessels at the time and you know, some really, really good players that, that were part of the squad. Dane Haylett-Petty, um, a couple other guys. Matt Tamil was there, you know, all these into Fiji International. Marika Corabetti was there. Uh, you had um, yeah, Frank Lamani, as I was saying. Um, you had all these really great players and, at the time, it was just like, well, what an opportunity. Like, we've got a good squad and, you know, there's – I know I've had got some work to do, um, especially coming in as a sort of wider squad player. Um, but then just put my head down that preseason and uh, myself a, a debut against the Sunwolves, which unfortunately we lost, which uh, wasn't wasn't expected back in um, 2020. But probably, you know, a good song because after that, we, we ended up going really well up until COVID hit. Um and then sort of over the next, you know, three seasons, I played every game that I was available for. I had a little ha- a hamstring injury in the middle of it. Um, but then I sort of pushed myself from bench into the starting squad. And then I started, you know, most games over the next, um, you know, after that 2020 season for, you know, right through till 2022. Um, and then, you know, I got a little taste. I got a call up into the Wallaby squad, which was nice through injury. And, you know, that was a definite change. And, my confidence, yeah, definitely skyrocketed then, which was great. Um, but, you know, I, it's funny when, you know, that was 2021, um, I got called into that Wallaby squad and I personally didn't feel I'd played my best rugby, whereas the year before I probably did. Um, and, you know, you, you sort of know in yourself when, you, yeah, I guess I'm, I, again, the harshest critic on myself, but you know when you've when you've sort of excelled and things should be happening, but they might not. Um, but you can't get drowned in that. And I and I've found that in the past, like that's been my little bit of growth um, personally. Is that you know like there's times where I felt I might have done something really well, but you know it's it, it's up to someone else's perception and and decision to to um, sort of decide on selections, decide on these things, and they're out of my control. Um, but all I can control is is how I respond and, and how I how I act on the field and what performance I put out and what sort of person I am around that squad. So that's definitely something that I've I've had to learn from that. But nonetheless, that experience under sort of Dave Rennie and that squad was awesome. Um, you know, as I, I didn't end up playing, but just being there and being around that squad and knowing in myself I'm literally just an inch away from playing. Um, you know, that's probably the closest I've been. And that's still the, the carrot that dangles now. Um, sort of after that experience, went into the next season, um, 2022, where probably didn't play the best, you know, rugby, um, whether it was confidence or maybe frustration in myself and just, yeah, probably didn't enjoy it as much. And I don't know if that's, you know, just a combination of the, the, the squad at Rebels or it's definitely like just my response to that that it wasn't as, wasn't as great. Um, and then sort of found myself starting to not play, played myself back onto the bench um, and then got to the point at the end of the year where I sort of felt like, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe a time for a change. And then where we just discussed and we went, no, let's, let's write the, let's write the wrongs. Um, let's, let's really challenge this next year heading into 2023. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't have worked harder alongside the SNCs um, just to try and, Get, getting a little bit faster, a little bit. Um, I was always, uh, I feel, had a point of difference of fitness where I could, I could, you know, I had, I had a bit more of an engine than some of the other props. 
Um, but, you know, being stronger than them, I, I definitely wasn't. And I wanted to make sure that I could be. Um, so then I've worked on that and it got to a point where I was really confident in that. Um, but then when it came to selection, I think, of course, I'd had that um, year before where I, I hadn't played as well. There was always that sort of question above my head if I, you know, could, could perform um, adequately when I was out there. And personally, as, as the season started this year, felt quite good, um, you know, fit, strong, making some, you know, some really good, some really good gains around my game, which is good. Um, but then just some performances, you know, were, were really good. And then some others were just, you know, okay. And that still had that question above it. Um, and that for me probably drove my own confidence down. Um, I probably wasn't as well connected as I was with sort of the coaches and um, some of the players too. Um, and that's, that, that's on me too. It's, I probably got, more focused on on my you know growth and wanting to have all this success and setting these big goals for myself and that probably you know took away from my um role as a or not i was definitely a team player but my role in in you know connecting as well with these people around me um but then yeah it just sort of went through i started yeah selection i did so now i'm not even getting picked in the squad and that was quite a hard thing to deal with because um, I know how much effort I'm putting in. I know all the work, the extra gym sessions. It was funny, like I was doing, you know, a lot coming in early, doing extra fitness, all I could to try and get there. And I was very lucky that I had the support of one of the SNC staff there who was, you know, he was keeping me accountable um, big time. And, and personally, I don't, I don't think I needed that. I was very driven, but um, having him there sort of pushed me to, to grow my confidence and stuff, or even around the gym with sort of getting heavier with, um, squatting and, and things like that, which, you know, traditionally I, I didn't want to go too crazy with that sort of stuff because I was, you know, always a little bit timid about you know, what, what it could cause. But um, just having that support of, and his name, Luke Vella, he was he was wonderful. Um, and even when it came to the under-selection, which he had no choice in, he was still very much a bit of a driving force in like, well, what can you control right now? Um, and that was fantastic to have him. Um, and then going into sort of the middle of the season, back into the season, I only played a couple of games and, you know, I, I was actually really happy with some of the performances that, that I put out. Um, and, you know, I was, you know, when you have pride in yourself, that, that grows a bit of confidence and sort of started to feel that, you know, I was probably slipping out of the eyes of where the team was going and, and where they wanted me um, as part of it. Um, and that's a hard thing when you put a lot of effort into the team and, and everyone around you. And, you know, I, I'm, I was a, you know, in the first couple of years, I was, I was a big aspect on the sort of social side of the team and making sure like a, as a culture, we were we were quite well connected and, and we always, you know, felt like we had each other and had a good time alongside the, the rugby stuff. And it was always mindful of performance, but always, you know, understanding that, you know, you know, being well connected off the field and, and around the, the HQ and in the gym is just as important as on the field. Um so, yeah, sort of felt like that was sort of slipping away. And by the end, it just sort of um, contractually and everything else with the sort of the uh, the squad around us, they'd, um, they, you know, they'd invested big for the next year with a few guys coming in, um, you know, but guys like Taniela Tupu were coming in. They got Luke Antui back in the second row, uh, Salakai Lotto, sorry. Um, and, yeah, they got they got a few big names that have come in. So probably me being in that position where I'm a little bit more experienced and, um, there, there wasn't any space and that was pretty hard thing to hear, but also I was okay. I was like, 
look, you know, there, there's opportunity. I know how hard I am working. Um, I've got to get myself, um, you know, keep, keep, you know, working away. And, and I think although my confidence sort of dropped in my, maybe my, my ability to express myself on the field, my confidence wasn't dropped in my, my um, knowledge that I could achieve things. Um, probably might sound a bit weird, but I definitely knew I had the ability still to be a wallaby. And I, and I still, to this day, that's, that's something I want to do. I've got massive um, aspirations and I know, you know, the best is yet to come. Um, that's the thing that needs to sort of just be, you know, that Hollywood sign in my picture, that's got to be the thing that's up there. Um, and, and I always think about, you know, that's the driving force. But, you know, I've got to get that confidence back um, on the field because, you know, I compare myself to, it's funny when you're, when you're right on there sort of making a name for yourself when you're young, you know, 17, 18, 19, coming through those rep systems in New South Wales and, you know, there's almost that freedom and that lack of pressure that you can just go and do that and if there's mistakes, you don't ever worry about it, which is a great thing to have, whereas, you know, it's, it's not really something you can do in the future um, because, you know, there's, you know, m- mistakes also, you know, start to build up and they can cause, you know, people's perception of you as a player to change. So, I knew understood I wanted to get that aspect of that freedom back and that enjoyment and confidence in my own ability um, to, to go out there and, and perform and, and do it for fun. Um, that's the, the, you know, every team I've been part of, they, they, they say enjoyment and, and fun are all part of the system, but, you know, it, it's a lot more than just saying it. It definitely has to be focused on and brought in and there has to be, you know, a conscious effort to make sure everything you know, people want to do these things, whether it be for their own reasons or purpose, there's got to be that element of you're enjoying the, the hard work or enjoying that, um, that, that, that aspect of the game. So, um, yeah, that, that was the, that was the sort of the, the question I, you know, asked myself and people around me, I was lucky to have a good support network around me who sort of challenged me on that and were really great throughout the year when, when things weren't always great. Um, and, that's when we, yeah, we, we, we made that decision to like, well, let, let's try and get the MPC stuff. It would have been, you know, almost would have been um, silly, you know, and, you know, I guess ignorant to, to re-sign without having this challenge and, and a bit of a freshen up. Um, and whether it is, you know, you look in performance, a change of environment or change of scenery, change of sort of setup and different different challenges put in front of me, um, I feel that was probably, you know, moving moving away and trying something new is what's, you know, started this revitalization where I feel I feel that confidence starting to grow. I feel that starting to blossom a little bit. Um, that self belief um, that I, that you know I, I have the ability and and I can I can be an asset. Uh, knowing that you're actually doing a, a good job and you're adding value to somewhere is probably. Um, one of the greatest feelings I've had in rugby and probably life too, um, knowing you've made an impact on someone and, and somewhere, uh, it's a really, really special and, um, yeah, re- rewarding, um, feeling to have, uh, much, much more so than winning and doing other things like that, knowing that you've, you know, done your role and, and done something that's, you know, um, helped someone else grow is, is pretty special. Yeah, hundred percent. And then you mentioned before we started chatting, next thing is is you're heading off to Seattle. Well, yeah, it'll be announced when I release this, as I said. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so look, I, I guess ultimately at this point, uh, I sort of have to make the decision to, you know, I want to be a part of a professional setup. Um, I want to be in a competition that's playing week in, week out. And I also understand the, the balance of, of life and, and the beauty of rugby is that it is a global game. And for me, getting to go travel to the USA and and be in a place which it's a, it's a sport mecca. Like, I mean, living in Melbourne, it's, a, again, you know, there's sport everywhere, and I absolutely love it, being around it, and then getting to go to America, the lure of being in an environment that just loves, you know, the, the physical side of sport, the contact side of sport, that's really cool. Um, and a life experience of getting to go spend time in another country, travel another country, um, being a part of a, a good squad with, um, you know, some really quality players and a competition that is growing and growing. You know, I'm, I'm actually scared for the day once they're sort of the USA taken on as one of their primary sports because they're absolute athletes. Um, so to be over there, test myself in that sort of arena and add that to my sort of experience, I feel, you know, one of my when when you appreciate what you're going to get out of it, and not so much you know receive, but you know what experience and lessons I'm going to learn. Um, that's the real you know the the real um, carrot of it. Um, I, I can't wait for that that experience of being in a in a new environment again, where I, I get to you know be a part of something, and I know I want to add value. I want to not just you know I, I know as a as a prop, I'll I'll be doing a lot of the hopefully a lot of the hard yards through the middle of the field. But as a group, like I feel, you know, being able to connect with people all over the world and, and grow friendships, relationships and and grow and, and connect with people is, is, is a really special thing. Um, and then performance-wise, like being able to be in this, you know, first-class setup um, where I'm still playing consistent rugby, um, and then hopefully, you know, I, you know I, I want to excel there and get to the point where, well, okay, well, maybe Super Rugby calls again and then maybe, you know, we, we get back into these, um, you know, that in, in international setup where, you know, I, I can be set up and I and it's funny talking with the, the head coach, um, Alan Clark. He was, he was fantastic um, and he's very much aspirational too and having someone in a, in a position like that as a head coach and a director of rugby who is really intent on you getting the best out of yourself, um, that's that's a massive uh, box ticked, um, and although you know I, I can't wait to get there, uh, you know I'm really looking forward to seeing how how much I can get out of myself um, during that time. So, look, it really it, it's looking great, and that that competition's going from strength to strength. So, me being a part of that, you know, I, I just can't wait to see my growth and you know what I yeah again what I can get out of myself um, with during my time there. Cool. Yeah, so sign a one year a one year deal to go over there. Uh so yeah, it's actually two years. Um, but then where you know if if something did come up, looking around, um, sort of Super Rugby or anything like that, or an opportunity to then you know progress back into that, that international dream, um, we we could do that. But look, my commitments there, yeah, definitely for for the next couple of years, which will be which will be great and. As you as you know, with props, they've got a uh, they've got a bit of a healthy um, lifespan in rugby, which is great. So look, it's for me, it's just going over there and making sure I I, I add my value to the team and and absolutely um, you know try and make a difference there and and grow the squad and and, and myself alongside each other. 
Yeah, it's something I was just chatting to someone else recently about, but I think the international game is getting older. Like, you look at the South African team that just won the World Cup and, like, all the second rows are probably in their 30s. The front mm. rows are all old. Like, I was... um like Vincent Cock was there in the sideline. I was like, he's still playing. Like, no disrespect. I was, since he left Saracen, I hadn't seen him. He's like 36, yeah. 37. Like, Dion Fury, 37. Like, even, you know, Diolande Pollard, these guys are, are 30. Or like, they're, everyone seems a little bit older. Whereas, I don't know, kind of Johnny Sexton as well. Just so many. Whereas, I think about eight or 10 years ago, if someone was kind of 33 or 34, people were thinking about, you know, they shouldn't be involved anymore. Whereas now, just looking at, yeah, a lot of international teams, there's a lot of older players. Yeah, some of them. Definitely not the Australian ones. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and you look at that experience, and especially, you know, World Cup year, you want to go there with, with guys who can deal with pressure, can deal with those big moments. Um, you know, and I think... Uh, of a lot of the guys, especially maybe you know, the, the, or the, you know, apart from New Zealand, a lot of the, a lot of the Kiwi players might have done that, but not many of the players have played in front of forty thousand plus people. Um, so every time they're playing there, there's the, the minimum forty thousand up to eighty to one hundred thousand people there watching. That's a that's a big impact. That's that environment is, um, you know, it's fight or flight. You know, how do you respond when you have all these fans there, all these supporters? You know every move you do on the field is being watched and it's being highly criticised around the world. Everyone's watching. So having guys that have experienced that, having guys you know, that have, have enjoyed those moments, have been successful in those moments, I think that makes a world of difference. And again, like I, I was lucky enough over my sort of career, I got to play with John Ofoa. And he's played, I think, over 500 first-class games. And I was lucky I played with him at Gloucester. And just the way he sort of handles not only training uh, in where he's got this sort of quiet confidence and not over the top and understands, like, the, the game days, the end of the week, but he was so comfortable in quite high tensile moments in games where it's, you know, very, very close at the end, big, big moments, and still looks like he's just playing with you know, just an, you know, a level of confidence like no other. Um, and that's coming from, you know, an all black who's played there and played a lot of games. And I, I, I truly do value experience, uh, whether it be, um, you know, uh, you know, international, but or just, uh, you know, played a lot of super rugby and some of the best leaders I've had have, have come through club rugby um, back in Sydney. Um, and those guys have played 100, 150, you know, first grade games, but leadership in the terms of how to connect with people and how to grow um and how to how to motivate people in really really you know high high tensile moments where where you need a response and you need them to do their role um that's you know that's a really important aspect and i think that's why you know teams like the springboks did quite well i think even france to a point had some quite you know quite a lot of experience there as well um and it's just good to see um that you know there, there there's there is a fine balance between that I think even England, to a to a degree, had that level of experience there too, and may not have played the most exciting, you know, wonderful, you know, uh, brand, you know, uh, boosting rugby, but they were consistent and they ever they were very very controlled and knew their role and had a good mix of that, you know, that experience of a sort of 
older players who, who've been around for a long time, but then young guys who've actually, you know, started to build a bit of a, a resume and, and were confident in their ability and were allowed to express themselves and their point of difference, as we as we mentioned before. And they've obviously created an environment where there's that, that's that balance of that experience is there, but how to, um, you know, evoke the best of, of each other out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like England in that semi-final had Joe Marler, Dan Cole, Etoje, for or sorry, Farrell, Manu Tulagi, like yeah, Johnny May, lots of um yeah, lots of experience and it's just interesting then you said how the Aussie team didn't, which yeah, and it just in hindsight looks obviously yeah, quite stupid decisions and uh, people were saying it beforehand it's too. A, but, yeah. And it's a hard one because, you know, I'm lucky I've played with a lot of those players and they're exceptionally skillful. Um, And some of those guys are are, going to be world-class players. Um, The thing is, I think in in that environment, in that setting, there has to be some some leaders, especially like someone like Michael Hooper, um, to be a part of that and, and be, you know, a resource as much as... You know, maybe, you know, they are getting a little bit older or, or things in, in terms of rugby. Um, they they would add so much value to a squad and, and being around that. Um, and it's funny, like I remember we at the Rebels early in the year, Eddie Jones came and presented to us as a group. Uh, and he, he did, he spoke about sort of having those people in the group who, who add that value, which was nice to hear. And it's not necessarily the most, you know, talented, wonderful person, but someone who can, you know, really support and harness, you know, that energy of the group and almost is a bit of a live wire throughout that. Um, so look, yeah, there, there's definite value in that. And I, and I feel for, for those younger guys who, who probably didn't get the best out of themselves in that setup, but they've all got such big futures and, and there's, there's going to be some growth there. And especially, you know, speak of someone like Carter Gordon, you know, I, I'm quite close with him. I know he's going to you know, bounce back really well after that World Cup and he's going to grow himself and he's going to, he's only going to take so many learnings from this and he's got that head on his shoulders that this is actually going to put him in really good stead for the future if he, if he challenges himself and, and takes these learnings on. Yeah, big time. Yeah, he's a baller with a bright future. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned about Hooper, yeah, it's just it's interesting. And um, last kind of thing on it, but it's kind of sometimes a little bit of a disservice to younger players in that, like you know yourself. I I knew myself when I was younger, and you're in squads with these guys who've played two hundred games, or you know, like you were just you can just feel it or their presence, their energy, and it gives you comfort and confidence knowing that they're on the field with you, that they're in your team. You know, like you want to be, I I kind of always remember, like I wanted after a certain age to take more of a leadership role to kind of move forward. I was calling lineouts and to step forward. But when you have other guys around that just have that, it makes your life just a bit easier. Oh, without a doubt. And there's, you know, a ton of examples like me going into my, the Gloucester setup when I was 21 was incredible. Like there was, there was Lions, Richard Hibbard, there was James Hook. Um, you had John Afoa again there. You had, you know, ton of, ton of other internationals, Motumatu, Mariano Galazza. You had all these internationals throughout the squad. And I'm just like, you know, this little boy from Sydney, you know, I played a bit of twenties, you know, not, you know, not, not much credentials at all, but being around these people and, um, you know, it was just, 
you you know there's a certain level of standards you have to get yourself to and whether I, I definitely didn't hit them in retrospect I was I was still growing as a player and I I, I definitely was you know that there was a level of growth but being at that you know their, their standard like it was a very very big thing to get to but having them around like you know even someone who presented himself really really well was Billy 12 trees and the way he sort of prepped himself every day, always in the gym before every session. Um, seeing people like that take real, real care and real pride in their in their performance and how they approach things, um, that was hugely influential. Um, and that's, you know, that's leadership that doesn't have to be spoken about. That's leadership that's done through actions and and just by the way, you know, he may not, me may not even know that I was, you know, I saw that, but that was something that had an impact on me and like, well, I've got to get to that point. I guess like, you know, it's someone similar to that is a guy, um, Reese Hodge, you know, he's played a lot of Wallabies games over at Beer Ritz now. Um, you know, I, I, I've roomed with him a couple of times and that bloke will stretch for an hour and a half at night. He'll only eat tuna and rice, very specific, like really, really performance focused. And it's like, that is, you know, the next level. That's the sort of thing you need to 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 do to you know aid you getting it it's not the be all and end all but that's something that's a one percent or a little marginal gain you can add that can it can grow the the quality and um you know having having that is is such an important part of a squad having guys that are you know natural born leaders and and then are going to get the best out of the rest of the squad um i think such an important thing yeah and how did it come about going to gloucester at that age when you were younger yeah bit of a bit of a strange one like i was as most props a bit of a back row convert um and so still learning a lot of the sort of dark arts and um you know i'd sort of seen a lot of sort of growth over you know 17 18 19 years old and but i definitely wasn't at that super rugby standard and that's something i wanted to get to coming through new south wales wanted to play for the waratahs things like that um and then you know had a pre-season there where hardest preseason of my life holy yeah not good like I was it was six days on really like I was in fat club so I was doing on my day off I had to do extras I was it, it to be honest it was shit like it was hard but it was so good for my growth because now I knew you know I, I never had to work harder than that because that was my limit like I was pushing myself I honestly don't know how you know I didn't have a, a hearty halfway through it it was yeah it was it was full on um but that sort of moment, you know, made me realize, okay, well, I can get the best out of myself if I keep doing this sort of stuff. Um, but then the aspect of the set piece stuff, that was still something I wasn't, I wasn't, um, you know, 123 kilos like I am now. I'm, you know, I was still quite a, you know, a big, big guy, but not, not heavy, not strong enough. Um, and that sort of put me on the back foot a little bit, you know, as much as I was starting to, you know, get the technique side of it and grow in that area. Um, it was still something I had to work on. And so, look, after conversations with, you know, the Waratahs at the time was Daryl Gibson and, and Cam Blades. They were you know, really supportive of my play around the field, but they're like, well, you need to work on this. This is still something that's, you know, you got to attack and, and nail. Um, and then lucky enough through my agent, he had a connection with um, Laurie Fisher, who was at uh, Gloucester at the time. Um, and then we just said, well, look, this would be a great opportunity to go over to England and play and be a part of a competition that prides itself on the, on the basics and the, um, you know, the, 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 the standards of rugby and, and set pieces it. Um, so we're like, okay, well, look, it's a bit of a, a bit of a jump. I never lived away from home, never moved out. And then 
taking that opportunity was, you know, probably one of the, the greatest things I did because I found out a lot about myself um, as a, as a, as a player, but also as a human being and growing up. Um, and yeah, that, that, you know, first few weeks was, was awesome. Like being a part of a setup that was so highly supported and, and had all the bells and whistles of a performance setup in, in, in that way, coaches, massage therapists, sports therapists, you know, you know, sports psychologists, um, they had all these things, which I'd never experienced and being able to be a part of that. And again, around all those internationals and high, high level players, um, there was no way I couldn't get, you know, couldn't see some growth. And, you know, I ended up, it, it wasn't all smooth with, with playing and things like I ended up starting a couple of games um, and then it was just like, oh, we still just, you know, we question the set piece aspect. So just worked away for a couple of seasons there. And by the end of it, I was, yeah, I was regularly a part of the 23, which was good. And, you know, I, I absolutely love my time and, you know, scrum wasn't, wasn't perfect, but it was a lot, it had grown a lot over the time I was there, which was, you know, gave me a lot of confidence to do the other stuff around the field um, and, and just, you know, play the way I want to play. But if I can nail that set piece aspect, then we go and um, enjoy it. And, you know, I've, I've found myself, you know, a, a lot more confident in my ability around that, which is which is great. Um, and, yeah, look, there was actually right at the end of it, there was a bit of an opportunity either to stay and sign something long-term, but then I just yeah, made the decision to come back to Australia and go down that pathway for a little bit and try to get into that international setup. But, yeah, so grateful for that time at Gloucester. It was, yeah really really sort of not just life-changing but you know for my game I, I feel it you know took it to another dimension um, where I could then even grow and focus on sort of more finer aspects of the game yeah because you were really throwing yourself in at the deep end that's a kind of thinking like an Australian prop 21 years of age out of Aussie 20s going for the premiership I was like yeah that's the if you want to challenge that's where to go Oh, 100%. I still remember one of the games we um, against Saracens, I ended up getting taken off at halftime. I was so embarrassed. Um, but I was against, yeah, Vincent Cox. And I was like, okay, you know, look, I'm, I'm giving my all. I'm trying. And it wasn't for the lack of effort. And actually, I didn't think I was going too bad. But the scrum coach just looked at me and said, mate, what are you doing? And then, yeah, I got taken off. But after that, it was, again, it was like a... It was more of a challenge, although your confidence gets hit a little bit. Of course, you get you get pulled at half time. You think everything's actually going all right. Um, it's just you know it's actually an opportunity for you to grow even more. So after that, you know, I found myself you know savoring in really really fine moments of the game. So like winning a penalty scrum time at really like a critical moment that became a real source of joy. Um, whereas before it was like, okay, I want to make a good run with the ball. I want to make a good tackle and things like that, maybe a turnover. Whereas then f- found a lot of joy in that sort of aspect. And yeah, definitely like some of my fondest memories and uh, of my time were there were, you know, putting ourselves into good positions because I've nailed my set piece or done something like that. Um, and it was, yeah, re- a lot of it, a lot of enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. I know that feeling over here in New Zealand, I'm living in Christchurch now, it's probably similar-ish to Aussie in that set piece isn't as paramount, but back home, like Ireland, when I was growing up, was exactly like that, and just so much pride in the set piece, like if, you know, you get a line-out mall, a good line-out mall, a good scrum, and that helps the team, it's just, there's such a focus on it, and it, uh, yeah, I do enjoy that aspect or, or seeing the game from that lens as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and you know, 
that that's the beauty of rugby. There's always going to be, you know, a sort of personality trait of a team and a setup, you know, a, a way to play. Um, and, you know, I've found like if you can have a certain base level of that set piece, um, and that's definitely the Australian sort of Kiwi mindset, um, and then have the ability to, to, you know, the play outside of that where almost 1 to 15 all have the ability to, to play the same skills. Um, that's, you know, a, a real, you know, exciting prospect. And I know traditionally, especially Australian rugby, such a attacking mindset um, of play. You know, you look at sort of England's de- definitely, you know, much more structure through set piece and, and a defensive strategy and almost like um, stress you out into making poor choices. It's the old sort of Saracens way of playing too. Um, it's, you know, there's different ways and that's also exciting, but... I still, you know, my personal belief is you've, you've got to absolutely nail that set piece role first. And then if you can do the other stuff, that's how you look extraordinary as a, as a prop. Um, and you look at guys, you know, now world-class players like you've got your Ellis Genge, your Angus Bells as a loose head. You know, you've got to nail that set piece first and, they, and, they, and they've started to get that really, really well. And then you look at their player on the field and it's like, you know, how do you, how do you stop someone who can, you do all their basics really well and then run the ball the way they do or hit contact like they do. So, you know, really, really exciting. And, and they're definitely, you know, people you want to sort of take little parts of their game and, and grow from and, and um, learn off. Yeah. It's uh, been unreal chatting. What advice would you give your 19 year old self? I would say um, have faith in the process. Um, you know, there's been a lot of times over, you know, the last you know, nine, 10 years where, you know, I want results straight away. Um, and I've probably taken, you know, I don't want to say a shortcut, but I've just tried to get the quick result. Um, and I feel, you know, it does, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and the rewards, might not be the rewards you intend on at the start and, you know, the, the outcomes, but um, that process will, will get you to where you need to be. So, yeah, definitely faith in the process is, is the one I tell myself. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's, I think, so true for all of us. You, you get a bit <clears throat> nearly anxious to have it now, you know, like, you, you kind of under you hear about that and you're like doing the work but you're like I need it now or want it now and you and when you're in that way when you are that way then you're not being your best self either mm. yeah no I've definitely picked up things <clears throat> over time and also those moments where I you know I probably have you know just been frustrated and, and tried to you know get get something quickly and and do that you know, they've also been learning opportunities. So the way you see it, it's, it's definitely some growth in that. Um, but long-term, having faith in that, you know, in, in what you're doing and the amount of work you're putting in, the amount of um, extra time and and the, the strategy and everything you've sort of set in place and the support you've got around you, just stay stay true to that and, and you're going to get the best out of yourself, I think. Um, and as I'm sort of progressing and finding that over time it's um definitely getting to a better spot so now it's all very good cheers for listening into the pod today if you're new to the pod welcome be sure to check out some earlier episodes and subscribe wherever you're listening so that you get the new episodes when they're released 
In my mid-twenties, I began studying the mind and that led me to playing the best rugby in my life and enjoying it so much all the time, like regardless of results. Whereas when I was younger, there were highs and lows and it felt uncertain, like I was on a roller coaster. But then when I began developing and harnessing my mind, it felt like I'd absolutely cracked the code. Now I work one-on-one with players and yes, I help you overcome challenges and we do mental skills work so that you can consistently perform at your peak. But I also help you expand your mind and grow as a person. You know the way you often feel like you have more in you, you have more to express, you have more to bring and it kind of gets frustrating when yes, you're getting some results but you know you have more inside you. I help you bring that out. Every single player that I've worked with one-on-one for over 12 months has made a team that they didn't think they could make in that time and or signed a new increased contract that way more than covered the investment that they made in themselves for the one-on-one coaching. If you're a player or coach and would like to learn more, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book your free 30-minute Zoom consultation with me. Through this podcast, I want to help millions of people live happier, more fulfilled and more successful lives because I absolutely know that it's possible. If you want to be an absolute legend now and help me out, there's three things you can do. First is to share the pod. You can send it on some friends, share it on social media and simply just tell people about it. Second, you can leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. On Apple Podcasts, when you click into the pod, you can scroll down and there's an option to leave a review and up to a five-star rating. And on Spotify, when you click into the pod, on the left-hand side, you'll see a little star. You can click on that and then leave up to a five-star rating again. And third thing, Lastly, just make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Those three things, sharing the pod, leaving a rating and a review and subscribing really, really help the podcast grow, helps us help more people. So thank you so, so much. Please connect with me over on social media. Instagram is at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby. LinkedIn is Brian Moylet. And any thoughts, questions, feedback, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. Thanks Emil for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. Be good to yourself, get after it, and I will see you next week. Cheers.